Welcome to Ordinary Fellowship, a podcast inspired by the Puritan practice of godly conference or spiritual conversations among believers. These spiritual conversations offer practical spiritual help for Christian living. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. At that time his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken, that is, things that have been made in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. I'm Jeremy Lee, and with me as always is my co-host, Matthew McLaughlin. Hey, Jeremy. How are you I am fine. This, this lovely Saturday. I am fine. Got anything to tempt me with or torment me with today? I, I don't know. Well, that's good to know. I'm glad you're not, not tormenting me today. <laughs> you can torment our guest instead. You, never mind. I'll, we'll just torment our guest. <laughs> okay. Uh, we have with us today a real podcast professional, Lee Jones. Oh, my. <laughs> I don't know about that. Lee Jones is with us. Lee is uh, was... An inspiration of our podcast. Uh, he was for a long time doing the Guys with Bibles podcast, and he's live in person with us today uh, to discuss worship. So, and now, Lee, I I'll let you give biographical information, okay? When I'm allowed. But you're not allowed to have lengthy conversations about. Pencils, notebooks, or cats? Uh, that was half of my notes. <laughs> yeah, well, sorry. <laughs> we don't discuss these things on our podcast. I'll censor myself. Thank you. <laughs> I'm Lee Jones. Um, as Jeremy said, I, I was a co-host for about three years of the Guys with Bibles podcast, uh, which just actually recently closed up. Um, so I have, I have my own solo podcast now called Reformed Meditations. Um, I work in long-term care, so I'm not a pastor or anything. I'm just a theolo- theological nerd, um, and I really enjoy reading the Bible, discussing the Bible, and um, and so I'm I'm glad to hear that the the journey of guys with Bibles was an inspiration to to you guys to do what you're doing because this is a very fine podcast with the little trademark symbol on it. Very fine podcast. <laughs> well, th- thank you for the compliment. Um, and, and thanks for joining us. It's good to thanks have you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I appreciate it. So um, we're going to take two episodes. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, the, regula- the regulative principle of worship. And we'll talk about that in this episode. And then uh, the next episode, talk about congregational singing. So let's talk about what is the regulative principle. Is, is it the principle that you're trying to make all of America into the handmade tale? Is that, what, <laughs> is that your goal with this regular principle? I stuff? will go on the record to say that is not my goal. Okay. <laughs> that is not what I want to see. <laughs> so let, let's talk about then what, talk what about is it. the regular principle of worship. Well, there's two approaches to worship, and I'm by no means an expert on this, but I've become kind of obsessed with this topic, uh, for the, especially the last year. Um, 
or into 2020, but there are two approaches to worship. There's the normative principle of worship, and there's the regulative principle. And essentially, the normative principle is to say that uh, we can do anything that we like in corporate worship as long as it's not prohibited by the Bible. Um, but the approach of the regulative principle is that we can only do in worship what Scripture commands. Right. And that the 1689 Baptist Confession says it like this, uh, the acceptable way of worshiping the true God is instituted by God himself and so limited by his own revealed will that he may not be worshiped according to the imagination and devices of men, nor the suggestions of Satan under any visible representations or any way not prescribed in the Holy Scriptures. So a key word in that is prescribed. It has Mm -hmm. to be commanded in Scripture in order for it to be appropriate. I like that the Confession uses that phrase, imagination and devices of men, because I think that really gets to kind of the core of the issue with the normative principle. Right. And it's not even necessarily talking about anything evil. Obviously, talking representations of Satan and things like that, that that's evil. But you better not have that in your worship. <laughs> imaginations and devices of men are could be well-intentioned and, mm-hmm. and probably are. Mm-hmm. I think most often they are. Yeah. I think if we look at the the normative, and, and the church is drowning in the normative principle. Uh, that's kind of the approach of most churches, most evangelical churches that we see. And I think th- I think you're right. It is well intentioned, but I think the problem if we too deeply enculturate our worship, or we uh, or we put it together with uh, people's um, people's own ideas, their uh, desires of what they want to see or hear uh, as the guiding principle. That is your that's going to be uh, an issue, I think, for your church. And I think one of the ways to see this illustrated, it doesn't work completely because, like you said, a lot of churches subscribe to the normative principle even if they don't even know what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at the difference between a Lutheran church, I mean, we're in a Baptist mm-hmm. church right now. Oh, we're okay? definitely in a Baptist church. Yeah. You don't see any statues anywhere. The building is, this isn't an insult, but it's rather plain. Yeah, but this is what people who s- subscribe to the regular principle would look like. Whereas, if you went to a Lutheran church, I've heard time and time again, "Oh, they're just Catholics." <laughs> and that's not true. No, <laughs> but this principle came out of the Reformation, and so um, Lutherans went one way with the traditions of mm-hmm. Rome, and the other reformers, Calvin, Zwingli, and all. Mm-hmm. English reformers and all that went another direction where they yeah. rejected all these ornate kind of things. This is a Genevan movement, yeah, so to speak. So we talk about it that way, right? So that you see that even though, even though a lot of Baptists subscribe to the norm, normative principle, there's still a sense in which the regulative principle has influenced their worship. Oh sure, sure, <laughs> absolutely. Well, you know, even the even the normative churches they know that a sermon must be given. Now, how they approach giving that sermon is a, another story, but they know there has to be a sermon, there has to be singing, there has to be prayer, and, and these are all 
cornerstones of the regulative principle. These are are things that we're commanded to do in Scripture. Right. Um, but they then things kind of go off another direction in the application of those, how you execute those principles or, or those aspects of worship. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of that's where we get into the normative part. Right. The approach almost, and then adding on other elements too. You know, the, some churches have done that as well. You know, I'd say. Maybe the altar call is one of those. Not maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that that is nowhere prescribed in Scripture at all. But did you have any comments, Matthew? You... No, I'm just thinking it through is that, like what Lee said, most evangelical churches prescribe to the same body of work, the what's included in a service. The question is, what does it look like, and how do I accomplish it? And I think that's one of the ways for us to understand the difference between regulative and normative is how do I do what? Well, the both for the most part, both sides are committed to scripture. They just approach the application differently. Yeah, let, and mm-hmm. I I think that's a yeah. I think what you said is good. They're dedicated to scripture because you know I have friends who don't subscribe to the regulative principle, but if you went to their church, it wouldn't be that much different right. than what you would experience here. Mm-hmm. So they would ex- descri- mm-hmm. prescribe more to the normative principle. So it, there's mm-hmm. weirdos. What There's a website that has... The Museum of Idolatry or something yes, like that? Yes, or, yes, yes, yes. I, I knew idolatry was... something of there. idolatry, if it's yeah. museum or is that, it something like that. That's not what we're... Re- I mean, the regulative principle needs to be applied to those, but they've right. gone above and beyond. Right, right. People giving prophecies in the middle of a of a church service. You know, I'm I'm thinking of like churches like the Glory of Zion, for instance. Which, if you listen to anything Chris Roseboro does, you'll eventually see something. And the, like, there's entire services that are four hours long there, and half of them are basically an open mic for people to come up and give prophecy. That is about as normative as normative could be, and that there's nowhere in Scripture that prescribes that kind of activity in a worship yeah. service. So we can be, you know, we can be more gracious towards those who hold the normative principle, yet don't yeah. go to those extremes. Right. That some people would, but I, I think because Calvinists get a bad rap for not being charitable, and there's yeah. there's quite a few who are not charitable. <laughs> Matthew can be kind of cranky sometimes. <laughs> he seems yeah, like a nice guy to me. <laughs> I could say something, but someone told me someone told me if I had nothing nice to say to say nothing at all. <laughs> so, all right, let um you mentioned that the Bible prescribes certain things. What is it that the Bible t- What does the Bible tell us how to in what ways are we to worship God according to Scripture? Yeah, we're we're everything comes down to the Word, and the way that I like to talk about it is that a worship service is a cycle of revelation and response, and it all has to do with the Word. Uh, so we we're instructed um, in the New Testament to have the public reading of the Word, which I think is a kind of a neglected part of the worship service in yeah. most evangelical churches. And sadly, if you go to a, a liberal church that is more high church, they'll mm-hmm. read more scripture than you get in a traditional yeah. typical evangelical church. It's true. Some of those liturgies are very scripture packed. Right. Um and that's not that's not a bad thing, but they they fall in other ways. Yeah, then they don't preach it. But... <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> they don't apply it properly and um so so in many um in many 
churches that hold to the regulative principle, uh, there will just be a standalone part of the worship service where a, a chapter, maybe even just a passage, is is read that has no. It's not necessarily a cross-reference for the sermon. It's not anything else. It's just simply we're reading. So in the church that I, where I'm a member, um, we read through entire books in this section. So um, when I first started going there, we were reading through Isaiah, and it was just a chapter a Sunday, just reading through the entire book of Isaiah. Then it was Revelation, First uh, Samuel, all these kinds of things. So the public reading is very, very important. Uh, then, of course, we have preaching, which is another bit of revelation of the Word. So we've got the Word being read, the Word being revealed to us there. Uh, we have exposition, then, of the Word. And I think it's it's uh, a rock-solid case for having exegetical sermons, uh, if you follow the uh, regulative principle, because the whole point is to bring out the point of the passage in the right. sermon, not to... Put in your own ideas or find a verse that's just a jumping off point for what you want to say, but to take your point from the right. text in the it's sermon. Just, as you titled it, it's the revelation of God. Right. We don't want the revelation of the pastor's opinions <laughs> about the uh, whatever's happening right. in the news that day or yeah. whatever thoughts he had through the week. We want to understand... The revelation of God. Yeah, yeah. We want to see Christ in the sermon. Yes. Um, we want to hear the word. So um, the, that's part of revelation as well. And, and and preaching probably is, to regular principal churches, really central. Mm-hmm. The word is central because it is in right. everything. Right. But the preaching is the thing that we really think. It's not that the other things are you could do away with them because they're commanded. But right. Preaching is really central. Well, and, and there's a reason that we have the pulpit in the center of the platform. You know, that's not just a style choice. That's that's um, theology that you can see. You know, the word is central. The sermon is central to the right. worship service. And that's not—and it, it's weird to even think about the architecture, but if you go into a Catholic church mm-hmm. or a Lutheran church and some Presbyterian churches, I don't mm-hmm. know why they put it offside. Yeah, they, I don't either. They probably have a good reason, because we like Presbyterians. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Lutherans. And Lutherans. But, but they're they're set up on their stage. I don't well, know usually a table's that, in the middle. On their pulpit. Yeah. They they have it set up differently, and it reflects... It'll usually be off it to the side. differences, theological differences. Sure, sure. Well, and I think, especially for the Lutherans, you know, still the the centrality of the Lord's Supper in their service. That's why what's front and center in a Lutheran church, and, and like you said, even some Presbyterian churches, is the table on which the elements of the Lord's table are set. So um, that's clearly saying something too. And, and I and that's not to downplay the Lord's Supper either, because right. I I believe in uh, weekly observance of the Lord's Supper as well, and I'm sure we'll talk about that too. Maybe. <laughs> if we have time. Yeah, time is the, the is the enemy here. Then the other part that I that I describe when I like to talk about this is the response aspect because our worship we're not only being informed, we're hearing the word, but our worship is also in responding to the word. So that's where we have uh, the introduction of prayer into our worship service. You know, we're we're praying and that's giving praise, uh, adoration, confession, you know, t- typically in a in a regulative service, there's a time of confession. Uh, so we pray, we confess our sins together when we meet. Um, 
and we give thanksgiving, uh, and that's that's commanded in Scripture in multiple places. And then, of course, then we sing. And I, I kind of tend to think of singing uh, almost kind of as a bridge between the revelation and response part, because if we're singing songs that are... Um, if either are directly scripture, as in singing the Psalms, or we're singing good hymns and spiritual songs that are scripturally based, we're we're being we're being given revelation. We're we're hearing the word in the words, and then we're singing the words in response to the revelation that we were, that we're getting in the service. So, um, I kind of I kind of think it almost as in both categories, because right. um, we're being informed, we're being exhorted by the words, and then we're also giving. Uh, we're agreeing to them and giving uh, worship agreement to the words, worship to God, and singing them together. Yeah. Well, and you could say the same, you could almost say the same thing about the sacraments or the ordinances. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. What's the thing? Uh, somebody somebody said, uh, y- y- the church doesn't need a drama team because the drama comes out in the ordinances, the baptism and the Lord's Supper. Because right. we're seeing, it, it's actually, you know, the, the other the other aspects of worship we're, we've already talked about are things that we are either hearing or saying, but these, these are things that we feel, feel, taste, and touch. You know, we get the other senses involved with... We don't smell. We don't do incense. No, we don't, yeah. <laughs> we, we just turn our noses off when we come to worship. <laughs> oh, no, I, I usually smell the grape juice before I drink it. Does that count? <laughs> Take a no. take a nice little whiff. <laughs> we use grape juice because we're Baptist. Yeah, I I know. <laughs> we're not going down that trail today, so don't get Matthew all upset. <laughs> there are good people so, on both sides of that of that debate. <laughs> so prayer, singing. How else do we respond to uh, the revelation of God? Uh, I I, uh, I think. Or what, maybe you don't put the sacraments in that category. Uh, I do put the sacraments in there. Um, some regulative churches don't observe, for instance, the Lord's Supper every week. Uh, I think there's good reason to. Um, that's why uh, I know a lot of Presbyterians will talk about um, covenant renewal in worship, and that when we take the supper together, that we are renewing our covenant, not that it had been forgotten, but that it's a continual reminder that Christ has died for us. Uh, I think I don't think that's something that can be worn out by doing it week by week. I think, honestly, it's one of the things I look forward to the most every week. Yeah, uh, and I always, every time you bring it up, having uh, Lord's Supper every week, the response is, well, it'll just get old, but mm-hmm. then they sing the same hymn every Sunday, and <laughs> right. it never gets old. I've also heard some people say that it, it's Catholic to take it every week. Like, well, if you do it in a Catholic way, it is, but, <laughs> but taking it every week is no more Catholic than Why than isn't anything. it Lutheran? Right, right. Why is it... Why is it yeah. yeah, why has it got to be Catholic? I, yeah, I don't understand that either, but... I, I need that I need that reminder, and the fact that it's tangible is really uh, important. I think it's key that it's something that you are tasting. You're tasting the grace and mercy of the Lord every Lord's Day. And I think I do think it's an important aspect of of a regulative um, worship service, but I know not every regulative church does that. But I think yeah. there's good reason for it. We we don't do it every Sunday. We mm. do it the first Sunday of the month. Nice. <laughs> I see the cups right as now. You, as you can see, I I keep staring yeah, at this them. This is this is our COVID arrangement. Oh, yes. okay. So 
Anyways, uh, baptism, of course, is is probably not going to be all the time thing. Right. It would be great if it was. If only. But, um, sadly, it's not. Right. But that would also be included as as a response. Yeah. Yes, it would. That's definitely a response too. Um, we just had recently had three baptisms at at the church that I where I'm a member, Logansville Church, um, which is not that far from where I live, uh, which is nice. Uh, and so that was part, it was part of our worship service. Uh, it was actually done in even though the church doesn't have a baptistry, um, we made arrangements to baptize inside the church building. Uh, as part of the worship service, and so it, it after the sermon was finished, it just transitioned. Oh, it, sermon ends, then we do the supper, and then it transitioned nicely into the baptism. So that was um, that was nice. But you're right; it doesn't happen every week. Yeah. But I, I but it sh- I believe it should be part of the worship service. Right, right. Yeah. So, is there anything else? Um, I I know, for example, some churches read confessions of faith. Mm, or yeah. creeds in their worship yeah. service. I don't disagree with that, mm-hmm. and I don't think it goes against the regulative principle because I know churches <laughs> that uphold the regulative principle right. who do that. Right. Um, I mean, I guess you would consider confessing your faith. Yeah, I, I guess so. I've not I've not attended too many services that did even with confessional churches that did read part of the confession in the service. But I could see it being beneficial, and I think if you approached it the right way, it would be, it's the same way, like, we our sermon isn't just reading the text. I mean, right. we, we do read the text in the service, but we also have an exposition of a text, usually as part of uh, an exposition through an entire book. So, to a certain degree, reading a part of a confession, if the church has agreed that it's a faithful exposition of, of the Word, could definitely have a place. Right, so just be another element of teaching. The yeah, word. yeah. Well, and really, even even hymns are good. Hymns are an exposition of right. biblical truth. Do you have any follow ups? Because I I do have some other questions for him, but I don't want to leave you out if no, you have um, something to add. Not too much. Nothing that really needs to be said. I think we're good. Go ahead. You'll have, probably have more comments when we talk about singing. I could. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Matthew can sing, I cannot. So, <laughs> I know you can't, Jeremy. I mean, I wish I could, but I, you know, it's probably better that I don't it's, sing. You can it still make a joyful noise. says, "Make a joyful noise." Yeah, yeah, I can do that. Well, there you go. Yep. So you're following the regulative principle. All right, yep. cool. Yep, um, you're good. So, some objections to the regulative principle. Um, one of the ones that I think is most. This one I think is is probably. Um, one that would at least give me pause, it has given me pause, is people will argue um, that that means that you can only sing the Psalms. Mm. Um, and so some of some of my friends who don't reject, who reject the regulative mm-hmm. principle, do it because they think s- exclusive Psalm singing and regulative principle go together and and some of some proponents mm-hmm. of the regulative principle say if you believe in the regulative principle then you can only sing psalms. Hey Presbyterians. <laughs> well not all of them. No, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, not all of them, but th- there's a significant portion of of uh 
the Presbyterian spectrum that are exclusive psalmody. Yeah. Um, I don't. I wouldn't cast aspersions on that. I think that's a. If that's your church's conviction, then that's a good conviction. Um, but I don't think it's necessary to only sing uh, psalms, uh, even metrical psalms. Although I, I think there are some who sing metrical psalms where the words are kind of tweaked to fit rhyme and meter. Some people just sing directly out of the scripture, almost like a chant. Hmm. Um, but I, as I was saying before on the topic of exposition, I don't think hymns are outside the pale of um, the regulative principle as long as you're singing solid hymns that accord with sound doctrine. Right. Um, if they are scriptural songs um, that are uh, clearly teaching what the Bible teaches and not endorsing some other thing, um, I'm thinking of like some of the contemporary songs from the mega churches, the sort of NAR or NAR adjacent mega churches that are out there that have kind of some sneaky references to some odd doctrine in them. Uh, that obviously it would be better to sing a psalm than to sing one of those. But there are so many good hymns uh, that have been written through history that are so solid theologically and beneficial. I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's outside of the pale. Right, and that. That's my understanding even, um, um, for example, the Reformed Baptists have a paper out where they explain this. Um, so it's not it's not just you, Lee, right. it's not just me, yes. <laughs> who think you don't have to exclusively sing psalms if you hold to the regulative principle. So that I, I don't think that's a valid argument mm-hmm. against it, because I don't think it logically necessarily follows that you have to sing only psalms. Right. I think I think uh, you can also sing hymns. Um, the other objection, you know, part of the part of this is well, you'll know. I'll just let you say. Well, what what if the Holy Spirit's leading you to do thus and so <laughs> in worship? Well, the, uh, then how how dare you say no, Lee? It depends on uh, I guess it depends on what that thing is, but the Holy Spirit isn't going to contradict Himself. I mean, the Holy Spirit inspired the text. Um, we have we have the text uh, that is the authoritative Word of God. Uh, anything that the Spirit leads us to do is going to accord with the Word of God. So if we do something, if we are if we are inspired, and I, my silent finger quotes are in the air, uh, inspired to do something that uh, really doesn't match with uh, with what the Word has told us to do in worship, then we should let that go. We should check ourselves and make sure that it's not something, uh, some urge within us, some sort of self-expression, which I think that tends to be melded in with worship more often than I'd like to admit. Um, Worship is not self-expression. Worship is um, devotion to God, given in in the context of, of a corporate worship service. And we have to worship God on His terms. I... I don't really know how to express this, but I think sometimes I, I understand what you're saying about uh, self-expression, and that probably goes along with this. But I think some people feel like the regulative principle stifles creativity. I mean, I've even heard people talk about, you know, Calvinism destroyed mm-hmm. arts art because <laughs> of their view of the regulative. That's principle how we got Swiss watches. Uh, no. Yeah. Sorry, bang the gavel on that one. <laughs> if it wasn't for Calvin, we wouldn't have gotten Swiss watches. Yeah. So <laughs> that's a story for another podcast. But yeah. now, I, I, I'm actually I'm glad you mentioned this because something I would say is that when we talk about the regulative principle, 
that's guiding our corporate worship. But there are things we can do in our private devotions that we would never bring to a worship service. Right. So, for instance, for me, like I like to um, actually write out my prayers longhand. Sometimes I try to do it daily if I can. Um, sometimes I sometimes the prayers are longer than others, but I would never impose that on a corporate worship service because, again, we're not all commanded to do that. If that's a conviction of mine that I like to do that's beneficial to my spiritual life, then I'll do it in my own personal devotional time. But to impose that on other people simply because I think it's a good idea without a proper basis to the word that we all agree to, that would be wrong for me to do. All right, so that brings up another thing. I think you're just a Grinch, and you hate Christmas, and that's what this is all about. You just don't want to celebrate Christmas. You're, you're a cheapskate and don't want to buy gifts. So you're just making this up to and Easter. That's just a pagan holiday that's just been don't baptized. Don't get me started on that. <laughs> you like all those Puritans, and they uh, they decried all these holidays, and never never they were they were hunting down people that put up Christmas trees in the colonies and. <laughs> the- the church calendar is, is an issue. Yeah. The traditional church calendar. Baptists don't typically follow that, right. except for Easter and Christmas. Yeah. And then us Reformed people, we have Reformation Day. But yes, <laughs> yes, we do. And typically, uh, so, if, if you want to do a, a sausage supper during Lent, but that's a uh, that's an unofficial Reformed holiday. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, that that is that is an issue. Yeah. Um, whether this is acceptable or not. And normative churches are, normative principal churches mm-hmm. are the ones who have all the church holidays, um, <laughs> even well, second it, Sunday after Epiphany. Right. So, um, right. Or they go the completely other way and they make all of the popular holidays worship days. Let's talk about Christmas. Okay. Does this mean you can't celebrate Christmas? No. But I would say, you know, there was a couple years ago where, uh, where there was a big debate about people canceling, canceling services because Christmas fell either it was either Christmas or Christmas Eve fell on a Sunday, and there was all sorts it of stuff Christmas. in the blog. Was it Christmas? Yeah. Okay, it was all over the blogosphere. A lot of churches were canceling for Christmas. Um, definitely don't cancel for Christmas. Like if you, <laughs> right. Right. Let's worship. If you make reference to Christmas in your service, you know, okay, that's fine. At the church where I, where I, uh, at Logansville, where I attend, um, we had a Christmas Eve service, which was not a corporate worship service, but it was a Christmas Eve service, kind of your standard, very scriptural one. Um, and then the next, the next Sunday, the right. sermon was not a, an exposition of a Christmas text. It was the next sermon in his sermon series. Right. And the way I the way I think about this, I, I hold to the regulative principle. Um, the way I think about this is that everybody else is talking about Christmas. Is it really a big deal to preach on the incarnation in December? No, it's it, there's well, never a bad time to right. learn about the incarnation of Christ. It, it's not <laughs> right, right. It, it just and just, you don't have to you, only preach about the resurrection at Easter either. Right. Well, that's another topic for another day, but, um, you know, my my issue is it with it is more that you make it mandatory that, or that you make such a big deal out of it 
that people feel compelled that they this is the day. Mm-hmm. Like this is a Catholics view it as a high holy day, mm-hmm. and I never want to portray it as that. Right. This is this this is a celebration of Christ's birth. And the Westminster Confession and the Baptist Catechism even have a section where they talk about uh, days of Thanksgiving that you can have those things. So I think it could even be handled under that rubric, saying that this is a day of Thanksgiving for for Christ's incarnation, without without um, saying you just can't do Christmas. Um, and maybe maybe I'm being unfaithful to the regular principle by doing that, um, but if if so, so be it. Uh, again, maybe I'm a fuddy-duddy, but I like, when I when I enter the church, I kind of like leaving all of the, the trappings of the world behind. You know, we're entering, we're entering the, the meeting house, gathering as the church, and doing what the church does. And leaving references to what's going on outside, and, and focusing on God, focusing on His Word, and exalting Christ. You know, right. And if it would be a distraction to, uh, if it would be a distraction to some to completely leave out, say, the obvious, whatever obvious thing is going on, then maybe address it. But um, the the whole point is to, is not to make another law either, like. Uh, yes. We don't we don't want to we don't want to be neonomian when it comes to our worship, but we want to do what honors God, and right. what we've been commanded to do in Scripture when when it comes to corporate worship and and in all of life, we just want to be faithful to the Word. So you're not a Grinch. I'm not That's a total. I'm saying. not a total Grinch. <laughs> I'm a semi Grinch. <laughs> On that note. <laughs> I think the best way for us to summarize as we come to the end of this episode is to understand that the regular principle can be understood as guardrails. It provides a structure by which we understand how a service, a corporate worship service is to operate. It's not as some people like to portray it, a box. It's not a box, it's guardrails. The norm, I would argue that the <laughs> normative principle is no guardrails. It's you can do whatever you want. And so the regular principle simply provides a structure by which we can incorporate the elements of worship that's prescribed in scripture. So we would strongly encourage you think about act use participate in the regular principle. But for now we thank you for listening to this episode of Ordinary Fellowship, a podcast ministry of Two Rivers Community Church. For more information about Two Rivers, you can find it on our website at www.tworiverscc.org. We look forward to your questions, your comments, and even that dreaded hate mail at ordinaryfellowship at gmail.com. And please follow us on Facebook at Ordinary Fellowship and like and subscribe and rate this podcast on whatever service you listen to it on. But for now, we thank you for listening to this episode of Ordinary Fellowship. We are striving to have spiritual conversations for practical Christian living.